Good morning, Christ the King. It's wonderful to be with you in the Lord's house this morning. My name is Dawson Hunt. I'm the assistant pastor here at the church, and it's my honor to bring the word to you uh, this morning. If you remember in the Advent season, we looked at this idea that Christ is our only hope. That in a year that shook us so much like 2020 did, we look to him as our, as our one hope that is unshakable. We are hoping for 2021 to bring some more, some better news, right? We are looking forward uh, to good things in this year. And it seems like even since I preached last in December, that things have not gotten better, but actually more divisive. That, that things have gotten more difficult for us in the last several weeks. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. I want to reflect on the last 10 months for us, okay? I want to see if, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or type something in the box if you're watching online, but I just want you to think about these questions as we start this morning. Have you felt deep loneliness, anxiety, depression, or isolation since quarantine started last March? Have you had relational conflict over differing views on Black Lives Matter and the protests that went on in 2020? Have you felt worried, ashamed, fearful, or misunderstood pertaining to your views on wearing masks or face coverings? Have you read or listened to hateful or demeaning speech within the political sphere pertaining to the presidential election? Have you or someone you know been affected either financially or physically by COVID-19? Lastly, have you felt discouraged, angry, or upset about the events that have taken place since the presidential election? I think if I were really to pull the room this morning, the majority of us would have said yes to most of those questions, right? So these are six different things that have happened in the last 10 months. This is a lot to carry for us. This is a lot for us to bear on our souls, right? We walk around with a burden that was not there two years ago. And I don't know about you, but I, I think about these things. I, I, I look at my social media feed. I, I look at the news, and often I, I come away just feeling weary. I feel tired about all that has gone on. So when I was thinking about a text for this morning, I came to maybe what theologians would say the most famous psalm. It's Psalm 23. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, that, that we need comfort from our God in a season that has been so weary on our soul. So we're going to read Psalm 23. If you have a Bible, you're going to open that for me. It's also printed in uh, your bulletin as well. It's Psalm chapter 23. We're reading all six verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you in a text that has been read and sung and studied for generations upon generations. So we get to look at your face as our shepherd, the one who cares for us all the time. Father, when we have come to many days where we feel like we are at the end of our rope, we need you and your comfort this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the last few years, uh, my dad lives in Las Cruces right here, and he has gotten uh, really into hiking. Um, all the, one, of the tradi- one of the things that I got passed down uh, to me, and all the hunt men kind of have this, is we get pretty tunnel-visioned on certain things, right? So he's really into hiking these days. That means he goes four or five times a week. And so often when I'm in Las Cruces, we will uh, look at the Oregon Mountains. If you've been in Las Cruces, you know the Oregon Mountains, are you can see them per- pretty much from anywhere in the town, right? He'll point to different little peaks on there and say, I, I've done this one, I've done that one, oh, that one I, I'm not ready for. Or this one is in front of this one. So he explains this to me. So on his birthday in December this last year, my three siblings, my brother and my sister, and I went with him on a birthday hike. should know that I've never hiked before. You know, that he started this when I was in seminary, so he wasn't like hiking when I was growing up. This is like a new thing. So I've never been hiking before, but uh, as we were going, he was kind of teaching me the ropes of, of some hiking technique, okay? So one of the things he said was, you need to understand this. This is a really catchy phrase. Check it before you step it, okay? Check it before you step it, which means, he said, you need to put your foot down when we're going around like tough terrain. You need to put your foot down to make sure the ground can hold your weight. Okay, so a few times we were going around big uh, terrains of, of boulders, and we had to go on the side of this mountain, and it was really terrifying for me. I don't like heights, but I was doing it for my dad, and so I would do that. I would put my foot down and see if it would hold my weight. A few times I was very thankful for the advice because it couldn't hold my weight. So if I would have put my foot down, it would have crumbled, and I would have fallen. So in life, We go through seasons that are very difficult for us. We go through seasons of life where it feels like we we can't get a breath of air. We look for something in our lives to comfort us, to, to bring us out of the misery. And we test things. We put our foot down on things like I was in hiking to see if they can hold the weight of our pain. We try one thing after the other to see if it can help us. But often we put our foot down on things that can't hold our weight. We put our, our, all our weight and, and all our hurt into comforts that don't help. We put our foot down on things outside of the Lord. There's been many trials in these last 10 months. I tried to highlight six different areas I feel like have been very divisive that we have just had to bear the weight of the division that's all around us. And we need now someone to comfort our souls. We need someone to be there for us. So today, the theme of Psalm 23 that we're looking at today is the Lord brings comfort and rest to our weary souls. The Lord brings comfort and rest to our weary souls. And Psalm 23 is really uh, broken up into two different metaphors. We see that The Lord is my shepherd first, and then secondly, the Lord is my host second. So we're going to first look at the Lord is my shepherd. From the beginning of the psalm, we see that it says, 
The Lord is my shepherd. If you look in your Bible, you'll see that Lord is in all caps. That means we, they are using his personal name. This is like saying not pastor, not preacher, but Dawson. This is his personal name, and there was much attributed to his name. That he was faithful, he was covenant-keeping, he was loving, he was caring. And the author uses this name in the, the most central position in the sentence. You know, in English, we don't, the, the positions of words and sentences don't carry lots of weight, but they did in Hebrew. And we see from the beginning that the Lord is at the focus of this psalm. That this psalm is about God. And many theologians that have gone throughout the generations would say that this psalm is a psalm of confidence. That we're to have confidence in the Lord through reading this, through singing this. The author David uses this phrase right from the beginning, my shepherd. So this is the most intimate use of shepherd that he could have used. Okay, So most times when shepherd is used in the Old Testament... It's a shepherd over a flock of sheep, okay? So we can say God is our shepherd over all of us. And yes, we would say that. But in this particular psalm, he's actually talking about the individual. So you can take this psalm and say, this is my God for my problems. And we see that. David says that God is my shepherd. And it's interesting that David himself is is alluding to him as a shepherd, right? Because if we remember, David was a shepherd. He knows the ins and outs of what it looks like to tend sheep. That being a shepherd was a a 24-hour-a-day job. That he was always responsible to nurture them, to care for them, to feed them. And this is the picture that the Lord is painted for us. That's who he is. He is always there. He's constantly keeping feeding and nurturing you and the text goes on right after it names who he is where we're to have confidence in the lord he says this is how he shepherds you individually verse one it says i shall not want it's easy for us in the west to think i want a lot of things well i, I don't know if that's true the, the better explanation of this is to say I shall not lack. That's probably a better translation to say the Lord will never leave you in a place where you need something. He will always be there for you. You can trust him all the time. You'll never have lack. The thrust in this first section is that we need to rely on God's provision, not on the comforts or the other things in life that we so quickly turn our hearts and minds to. Next, he tells us how he shepherds us individually. It says, He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. If you have a physical Bible, you'll see that there's a little footnote by uh, beside still waters. And from the Hebrew, it actually reads, this is an important thing when you're reading the Bible. If you see a footnote, it's good to look at the bottom and see what, it usually gives you more information about the text. So the text tells us here, from the, the Hebrew, it actually says, besides waters of rest i want you to picture ancient israel it was a desert okay think about we live in a desert we can it's easier for us to grasp this right so green pastures and still waters are not around here a lot right like it it did they're few and far between that's how it would have been in ancient israel so he's saying that he's taking them so green pastures and still waters these would have been places of rest for the sheep They would have been places of comfort for God's people. 
And the Lord takes them from place to place, knowing that they need comfort, knowing that they need rest. Verse 3 tells us that He restores the soul. In all of this, God is providing refreshing care for His people. Now in verse 3, it says this, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now there's some debate on this idea of paths of righteousness, but most would agree that He's saying here, He leads you in the right path in your life. He's not saying that he leads you in a path, and if you do this, you're gaining righteousness. No, that's not what the text is saying. The text is telling you he is taking you in the correct path. That's what, that's what a shepherd does for his sheep. He doesn't take them into dangerous areas, right? He doesn't take us to a place where we're going to be devoured completely. He takes us into the right path. Now, this doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that trust Christ and everything that you really want is going to come true. No, often it means that you're going to go through hard seasons. But the peace comes when you know that God, your shepherd, is with you. And this verse is leading us on to the next one, right? He's saying, I'm going to take you in the right path. He's leading us up to this. Verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the right path in verse 3 can even be this, into the shadow of death. Many will say that God won't give you more than you can handle. If you've been through a tragedy in your life, you know that you can't handle these things on your own. We search for other things to help us. Maybe you had a, bi- a bad diagnosis, a-, a wandering child, a spouse that leaves you. I'm talking about really the-, the worst things that could happen in life. The death of a loved one. These things are too hard to handle on our own. We need a shepherd to care for us in these times. We need someone to look to to say, you are the one who is always there and cares for me more than I care for myself. The text leads us there. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That you can walk through the darkest season of life, hurting, agonizing over the next day that's approaching, knowing that the Lord is there with you. And it doesn't mean the pain will go away immediately. Often it will stay for a long season. But we can have confidence in this psalm of confidence that the Lord is with us. So if you're like me, we can look to all sorts of things in our lives for comfort, right? Especially in a season like this. And often, they get a hit, you get a hit of relief from it. You get a, a moment of, oh, I feel better just for a few minutes, for half an hour, for an hour, for a day. So I, I, I ask, where do you look for comfort when your soul is weary, when you your life is falling apart, where do you look to patch it up? Do you seek food, drink, alcohol to take the edge off? Do you look to control your environment as much as you can by researching and knowing all there is to know about the problem? Man, I'm guilty of that one. 
you look for relief in sexual experience, hoping that the pleasure will dull the pain. Maybe you scroll through social media or the news or other media platforms just to dull your mind because you don't want to think about what's going on. My challenge to you and to me is that we would look to the shepherd as our comfort before anything else. It's important to note here that God is only a shepherd to those who realize their own weakness, that realize they are sheep under the shepherd's care. We first need to confess our sin. We need to confess the Lord is our caregiver. He is our shepherd. So have you turned from sin? Have you admitted your need of someone else to care for you? And if you have, turn to him in your weariness. Don't turn to other things. Instead of turning to pleasure in food, look to the Lord first to satisfy you. Instead of seeking relief from the pain and sexual pleasure, pour out to your heart to the Lord, expressing the deep hurt that you feel. Instead of trying to control the situation, admit to the Lord that you cannot control it and that He is actually the sovereign one and He can control it. Instead of getting more information from the news or social media, look to the Lord for your true comfort as He is the one who is truly in control. So I want you to think about this this week. When you're weary, where will you turn? When you're worn out, when you're anxious, when you're angry, where do you turn? You can see there's really three general applications for this section. Is that first we need to turn to the Lord in His Word and prayer. That we need to get on our knees. Often I don't have the heart towards the Lord that I want to have, but I know that it's only Him that can change me. So we, with our will, we get on our knees and say, Lord, change my heart. After that, we say, let's look to the word because that is where the Lord God has revealed himself to his people. That you can find comfort in the Lord God himself revealing himself to you in the scriptures. Secondly, I would say this. You should try to limit your intake of media and in, in all sorts, social media and news, and increase your intake in the Lord, in your time with the Lord. Six or seven years ago, Allison was doing a, a women's Bible study, and um, they were going through seven different months of different things. January, I think it was of 2013, they did a, we did a media fast. Okay, I'm not saying you should do this. This is a great thing for me, and I'm going to tell you. So the idea was whenever you would spend time watching TV or scrolling on Facebook or whatever, that you would spend time doing something else. So we would talk or we would do other things. That was the month, not trying to over-spiritualize this, that was the month that the Lord kindled a fire in my heart for reading. Okay? I love books and I love reading, but in 2012 I did not. Okay? In 2013, but it took a discipline like this to say, I need to pause I need to stop other things that are distracting me and turn to the Lord. I'm not saying you have to do this. I don't want to be legalist and say, you need to do this one thing if you're going to follow the Lord. No, I'm saying you look to your patterns and your routines in your life and say, how much am I intaking of what the world has to say and how much am I spending time with the Lord and trusting Him? I have found when I I spend enough time with Him, 
it really does work wonders. Thirdly, seek time and relationships with other believers. I said this several times in December, but we need other people to share our hurts, our anxieties, our anger, our frustration, our worries. We need other people. You know, Chuck mentioned that I have my ordination exam. All this, all this stuff is in my brain right here today. I've studied all week. I'm going to try to regurgitate as much as I can to them tomorrow. One of the, the really fascinating things that I took away from um, part of church history is that there's never been an account of a Christian in church history that has faithfully matured and grown closer to the Lord outside of the body of Christ. God did not design people to be apart from each other. He designed us to be together, that we need sharpening, that you probably won't break the mold of all of church history and growing by yourself, that we need one another to speak into our lives. And even at times, we just need people to listen. And at times, you need to be the listener. Sometimes other people just need to listen to you. Other times that we need to speak into our lives as God has given us wisdom. If you're like me, that we look to false comforts all the time, and Psalm 23 brings us hope here, that he is our one true comfort. So we see the first metaphor is that of a shepherd. Secondly, we see him We'll quickly do this, um, go through the Lord as my host, starting in verses 5 through 6. Let's read these together. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, to prepare a table for someone was not just to have them over for a meal, right? Like that we would think about. Like, I'm going to prepare some food. You can come over for lunch after church or something like that. It's not that. To prepare a table for someone was to have them as your guest of honor, to lavish upon them the most that could be provided for this person. That we're seeing that the Lord here is the best of hosts. He, He not only, as a shepherd, leaves you without lack, but he lavishes upon you the best that there is. This is the type of host he is. And it tells us in the text that this feast that you're going to be given in glory will be given in the presence of your enemies with their knowledge. One commentator says this, they are forced to witness my enjoyment without being able to disturb it. In this life, there will always be forces pressing in worries, anger, people that are all around us pressing in, but the passage tells us they don't win. God wins, and the people will feast forever with him. In this time, when a person was sad, they would cover themselves in dust and ashes, but when they were full of joy, they would wash themselves and anoint themselves with oil. What do we see in the text? God is anointing his guests in a place of honor, declaring their place of welcome by anointing them with oil. And it says that this is a joyous occasion for the guests. And this is the Lord. This is our host. I try to describe sin to my children sometimes, that I sin just like you do, 
kids. I do the same thing that you do. And it's not that the Lord wants to keep us from all these really fun things. No, he actually wants us to flourish. He wants the best for us. So when we see this, this idea of us being with the Lord in his presence, that is pure and utter joy for the believer. God is one who welcomes us into his presence, laving us with the grandest feast. We are his honored guests. And the psalmist says, my cup overflows. And this cup would have been the cup that is designed to cheer the guest's heart. And he says, there's not enough room in the cup for how much joy he is giving me. So that even in the darkest hour, we look to Psalm 23 and we say, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my host. He is always with me. Lastly, we see that David says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And this word follow could be translated pursue. You think about David, his enemies pursued him all the time. Some scholars would even say that there's a good chance that Psalm 23 was written while his enemies were following him, were pursuing him. But for him, he says that goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. Despite the trouble, despite the enemies that are pursuing him, God was with him always through it. So much so that he gets to confess at the end of the passage, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that you will forever be cared for by your God. In the New Testament, we see that Christ speaks of himself in a similar manner as we see in Psalm 23. Matthew 11, he says this, Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Christ we find our ultimate rest and comfort. Though troubles surround us, we came, we come before a, a Savior that came and felt our trouble, felt our anxiety, felt our anger, and still was without sin and died on our behalf. In John's gospel, Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd. The text tells us that Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus, our good shepherd, sees us in distress, comforts us only as he can. So Sally Lloyd-Jones wrote uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you have kids, you may have read this before. She also wrote a handful of other books, and I taught children all throughout seminary, and I have found that these little children devotional books, man, sometimes they just knock it out of the park further than like a theological exposition on Psalm 23. And they, she wrote this little book, it's called Found. It's a paraphrase for children on Psalm 23. And at times, I'll turn to things like this with my kids, and I feel like I'm getting more nourishment than they are because it's so tender and mercy. So I'm going to read her paraphrase of Psalm 23 as we close. God is my shepherd, and I am his little lamb. He feeds me. He guides me. He looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside, my heart is very quiet. 
as quiet as lying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. He is getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me. Everything I ever dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go, I know God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love will go to. Let's pray together. Father, in a season of distress, we admit in our weakness that we often turn to comforts that will let us down, that will work for a short time, but will never really dull the pain, that will never really bring true comfort. And Father, as we come before you this morning, we have seen in your text that you are not like these other comforts. You are a shepherd that is always there, leaving us without lack. And as a host, we see that you lavish upon us the best that there is to provide. Father, we constantly need the reminder to turn to you in our weakness. In spirit, we pray that our heart would be full of you this week. Whatever bumps come along the road, it would just turn us to you even quicker. Holy Spirit, we are weak in our flesh, so we pray that you would intervene on our behalf, that we would turn to you in a way that is glorifying to your name and satisfying to our souls. Father, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.